0: Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So glad that you have chosen to worship God with us. It is a beautiful morning, a beautiful fall day, and I I think that there is no greater place than we could be than right now worshiping God together. So we're continuing our sermon series on the book of Ephesians, which I've talked about as kind of a roadmap of how we as followers of Christ and the church are to interact with each other. We talked about how God's love, how God adopts us into, that we're claimed by God, we're chosen by God. And out of that love that God has for us, we say yes. And then we become these new creations, and it kind of sets our life on a new path. And then last week we talked about how we are a family and how, how God's family is so inclusive and open that God desires every single human who has ever been born or alive to be a part of it. And that we never should think of it as just the people inside these walls, but everyone outside the walls as well. And today we're talking about something pretty incredible the body of Christ. I looked up a few facts. The body, the human body, is actually a pretty interesting thing, and uh, I wanted to share some of these with you. Did you know that your body has seven octillion atoms? Now, I thought octillion is a made-up word, but it's actually a real word. That's a lot. That's seven with it, with a lot of zeros. I can't even tell you how many. That you have thirty-seven trillion cells. In your body. The human body has 37 trillion cells. Like I can't even imagine how many that is. And our body is so fascinating how it works, how our heart pumps blood to all the different parts of our body, and really it's just to carry oxygen, and how our brain works, and how our fingers are so sensitive that they can fill a ridge that's only like 13 nanometers tall. That's that's really small. That's how sensitive God has made your fingertips, and how each of us have unique fingerprints that only we have. No one else in the, all the world has fingers just like you. So we have these amazing, intricate bodies. One other fact that I learned is that if you lost your pinky finger, right, we think pinky finger, that's, that's not a big deal. If, if someone were like, hey, you have to lose a finger, you'd probably choose that one, right? Because I, I don't really need a pinky finger. But did you know that if you lost your pinky finger, that hand can only pick up half as much weight as before? And Paul uses this example of the church being like the body of Christ. And the example he's making is that no matter what your call is or who you are, even if it seems like it may not be important, that you are absolutely vital to the church and the work of God in this world. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, about how each and every one of us have a spiritual calling by God that we have gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit and a spiritual calling that is absolutely essential to the body of Christ, to the church. Now, God, I don't, I want you to misunderstand me. God could do all this without us, but for some reason, God entrusts the work of the church to us, his followers. So turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Well, we're in chapter four this week, verses one through 16, and this is what it says. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call that you have received. If you ever get an email from me, you look down at the bottom under my signature, and it's a very similar passage that I have quoted: Philippians one twenty-seven that talks about living a life worthy of the call that we have received. This is why Paul is reminding the church here in Ephesians as well, that we have a call, that we have a life, that we are called to live. That It's not just about saying yes to God, that that's the initiation of faith, and that we have a call on our life, that we have a way that we're called to live. And I think about, when when I'm thinking about that calling that God has for us, I think about the the great commandment that, that Jesus gives us, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What Jesus is talking about is a holiness, that we have this holiness with God, That time with God, that time that we spend giving God our worship in moments like this and then every day. We're we're called to live lives with a holiness of heart that has a deep relationship with God. And that deep relationship with God allows us to live holiness in our relationship with other people, to bring heaven on earth through our acts. Paul continues, "...conduct yourselves with all humility and gentleness and patience." Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one Spirit just as God called you in one hope. And there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. This is a powerful passage. So part of that holiness that we are called to live is to live with each other with humility. I think sometimes in all of our relationships, we think about what can you do for me? When we're called to live in humility, it's more about what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I love you? And we're talking about the church. We're not always going to agree, right? We're gonna have things that we disagree about. We have things that we have a different viewpoint on how to get from point A to point B. And yet we still have the same call and the same belief and the same mission. We don't always have to think alike but we do have to love alike. In fact, that's what John Wesley says. He reminds us, we don't all have to believe alike, but we have to love alike. Love one another and love people outside the walls of the church with humility and patience and gentleness and accept each other in love. I think back to the book of Philippians again, where it talks about we are to adopt the mindset of Jesus Christ. So we have all these people in the church In fact, today we're going to have a charge conference to make a decision, and everyone has a different understanding and a different belief on on the future of the church, And, and we get that opportunity to share those beliefs and those thoughts, right? But ultimately, our mindset should be to adopt the mindset of Jesus, which Paul reminds us was the mindset of a servant, Jesus who gave his all, his life, and even though he is God, that he lowered himself to that of the servant, of a slave, that we might have life. And so when we think about being the body of Christ, we are called to adopt that mindset of Jesus. But it goes more than just this church. You know, I think about all the many denominations in our world today of Christians. All the different flavors. Sometimes I think it's like Baskin Robbins, you know, all these different flavors of ice cream, and you kinda of just pick your favorite flavor. I think that's kinda of like how the church is. Which flavor draws you closer to God better? And we, we see it as a weakness because we see it in, like, we have this big, big theological disagreements. And how can we, as the body of Christ, work together despite having all these different denominations, all these different churches? And it's, again, it goes back to that adopting the mindset of Jesus. You know, when we say the Lord, not the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed together, one of the things we say is that we believe in the holy Catholic church. Now, some of us grew up Catholic, I know, in this room. And we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. When we say the Holy Catholic Church, we're saying we believe that Christ is the head, not just of our particular version of the church, but of every church. And we're all on the same team. There's this new way of thinking about things in the church today that we are not in competition with other churches. Though for a long time, it was like, all right, who can get those new people in that new housing development in which church? Well, right now, we're competing not against other churches but against people sleeping in on a Sunday morning or deciding that maybe being a part of a church isn't important or not having a a mission or a purpose through the church isn't important. And so we compete against Netflix and soccer and sports and doing anything else but gathering with people and meeting and worshiping God. We have to see ourselves, all these different churches, as on the same team. We're all part of the body of Christ. It's not just this room. It's all the churches, all the believers of Christ around the world. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. God has to be the head of everything we do. Christ has to be the head of every decision that we make, and we have to serve others. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree, but if we adopt that mindset of Christ and serve one another, then hopefully we'll end up in the right place. Jumping to verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors. His purpose was to equip God's people for the serving and building up of the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. God's goal is for us to be mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard and fullness of Christ. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes in teaching and deceitful scheming and tricks people play to deliberately mislead each other. Instead, by speaking truth with love, let us grow every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows from him, as it is joined and held together by all supporting ligaments. The body itself grows in that it builds itself up with love, as each one does its part. The words of the Lord for the people of God. You know, This is such a powerful scripture because it talks about these five important callings of the church. That if we're going to be the body of Christ, that there's these particular callings that are incredibly important. Apostle, prophet, shepherd, or pastor as it says, evangelist, and teacher. These are all the callings that each of us need to have. And each of us need to ask God where we are called within the church. And we'll get to that in just a second about de- describing what those different callings are. But I want to talk about that line where it talks about how important it is that we grow to maturity. And it's important to have the right leadership to help the church grow to that, impo- that maturity because it says that we will be like infants who are just tossed around by the, the deceitful things that come. Does anybody else just feel like they have Whiplash? Like, it just seems like all these things that are happening in our world, and because we have this constant media dragging into our lives, we have 24-7 access to every single thing that is going on in the world. It just seems like we just go from one crisis to the next, and it's just like whiplash. And these people are trying to tell us that these people aren't telling the truth, and these people are trying to say these people aren't telling the truth, until it starts scratching our head and say, is there even truth anymore? And that's why it is so important for us to develop as mature believers in Jesus. Because when we have the Holy Spirit and we are part of the body of Christ, we have the ability to discern what is right and wrong and what is true in this world. First by the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then in community with one another. And that's why we need these, this leadership. It talks about apostles. Now, the first apostles were the apostles who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. That was the definition of what it meant to be apostle but someone who had witnessed the resurrection of Christ. They are the leaders of the church. They're the ones who guide us and always keep us focused on the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So our apostles in the church, we need to find people, and it's not just the offices, office of the pastor and the staff. There are people that are sitting in these pews that are, have that apostle calling, and you are called to leadership of the church. So maybe you should think about, am I supposed to be in leadership? Should I be leading things? Should I be helping guide the path of the church? Do I have those gifts and those callings? And because we need those callings in the church, it's not just about the pastor deciding where we go, it's us as the body of Christ deciding together. And then profit. Now, profit isn't a very fun job. If you don't believe me, just read Ezekiel. I think he has to lay on his side for like 30 days and he has to cook food over human excrement. It's really terrible Sometimes. To be a prophet, but mainly because you speak God's truth into people's life. That's what a prophet does. And the thing is, people don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear that they're not doing what God has called them to do. People don't want to be called to account. People don't want to be called to holiness, and especially our world around us. And yet, that is one of the important roles of the church. So many people who have that prophetic voice, You know, sometimes when we think about prophecy, we think about it's just about predicting the future, like prophecies and revelation and things like that. But prophecy is speaking with God's voice. There is some of that. There is some of that looking forward to the future. But it's really about speaking truth into the life of the church. You know, I had someone come to me about a year ago and just said, hey, God was telling me that God is watching over you and that God is with you and, and just keep doing what you're doing. Very simple message. But that was a word of prophecy in my life and something I needed to hear in that moment. And it was an incredibly powerful word. So we can't be afraid if God is telling us to give a message to somebody or speak a word of prophecy to them. Because it's, it's to encourage and to build up and maybe to hold accountable to someone. So we need that prophetic voice in the church. You can see how that helps us grow to maturity if we have, are holding each other accountable to the life that we are called. Remember what Paul said. That we are called to live lives worthy of the calling that we have received. And prophets help us do that. And then we need evangelists. Woo! There's a thing there. Uh, Then we need evangelists. These are vital in the church. Because while all of us are called to invite people into the church, I have found in my life that it's generally just a handful of people who are truly gifted at it. And if you look at the growth of most churches, it's because they have a few people who are just dedicated folks who have that gift of, of invitation. So while all of us are called to be evangelists, I'm not letting you off the hook, we need those leaders in our church who have that mindset of seeking the lost and the broken in the world. We can't ignore that, church. That's our mission. That's our purpose. It's to share the good news with the lost and the hurt and the broken in this world. And so we need our evangelists to call us to account to say, church, we need to be out there more. We need to have relationship with people who don't believe. We need to have relationship with the hurting in the world. We need to be active in our communities so we can be the light of Christ. It's a very important role in the church. And then we need shepherds or pastors. You know, I am the elder of the church. That's what we call in the United Methodist Church. That's what we call our pastors But there are many pastors in the church. We have about a dozen life groups. And each one of those life group leaders are little pastors for that life group. Those are little mini churches that love one another and support one another. And each of those life group leaders are pastors and they're shepherds. You know, a shepherd kind of guides the flock and takes care of the flock. And so we need people to have that call of being a shepherd in this world. So that they will stand up and say, I'm going to lead this group of people. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to nurture them. I'm going to make sure they have their needs taken care of. And I'm going to challenge them to grow in their faith. And finally, we have teachers. We have people like with our kids right now who are teaching them the basic understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We have teachers with the youth group who teach our young people how to stand up in this world that it's becoming increasingly less popular to follow Jesus. And we need to teach one another. We have teachers in our midst that lead our Bible studies and teach about the doctrine of the church and so that we can reflect Christ, the true human who shows us how to love and live in this world. So you see, just like our human body, the body of Christ is an important and intricate thing and it's made up of each of us. And just like if we lose our pinky finger, we lose some of the strength in our hand, we lose the power of the church when even one of our partners fails to find their calling and their spiritual gifts and, and learn what it means to follow Christ. Too often we focus on just getting people in the doors, or maybe we focus on getting people to that moment of salvation. That's just the beginning of the life of faith. We've got to continue to help people grow until they're fully mature disciples of Jesus Christ who have centered their life on following Jesus. Because anytime the church stops following Jesus, we stop being the church. You know, have you ever wondered why we don't see that kind of explosive growth in the church? You read back in in Acts of the Apostles, and they'll have this moment, and then thousands of people join the church, and then something else will happen, and thousands of people will join the church. I think that's something that the first church understood very well, that each and every follower of Christ has a purpose, and each and every follower of Christ has a calling, and we have to find that purpose, and we have to find that calling and live it out. If we want to see the kind of of church that Christ wants for us, each and every one of us have to find our calling and start moving as the body of Christ. We're not always going to agree. but There's one more piece of this that is incredibly important, and that is that Jesus has to be the head. I'm not the head of the church. Christ has to be the head of the church. All of us have to ask the question, am I seeking Christ Not, is this what David wants to do, or is this what I want to do, but am I seeking what Christ wants me to do in my life? And I truly believe that if we put Christ first, we will become the church that God wants us to become. The author Annie Johnson Flynn wrote this incredible poem that I wanted to share with you, and it goes like this. Christ has no hands but ours to do his work today, he has no feet but ours, our feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring him to his side. We are, only the, we are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed. We are the, we, what if the type is crooked? What if the blueprint is blurred? What if our hands are busy with other work than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongue is speaking other things his lips would spurn? How can we hope to help him or welcome his return? Christ is counting on us. Christ has given this mission to us. And it's up to us to find our call and our mission. And if we do, we will find the abundant life that we are seeking together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we continue worship, we come to the table. And just like a family, we share one table. And this table is Christ's table. And it is Jesus who invites us to love God, live in peace with one another, and earnestly confess our sins. So before we gather this table, let's take a moment.